Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. He is like the 500-pound hog. That can run 30 miles an hour. Pete Thamel. UMass is like Will Hunting. How about them apples, Yukon? <laughs> <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. You sourcing knowledge of the conversation between God and Dion, and God saying you don't have to be there for 15 years. <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I right, welcome to the uh, pod week four of the 2020 college football season bopping along in midst of a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. 34 games this weekend as of this moment. This is a high water mark. Uh, we were at 35 lost Wake Forest, Notre Dame. Irish have a little outbreak. That may get pushed back, I think, two weeks or something. Uh, December they can get 12th, that. they're going to play. October Wake- 12th? Right. December 12th. December 12th. December 12th. All right, I'm sorry. Yep. Late. And, I, you know, like it's one game. Hopefully they get it in. But this is where we start getting to the we're out of weeks stage, like open weeks and dates that could get moved. And so yeah. the longer this kind of occasional cancellation goes or postponement, particularly with the Big Ten. Now, hopefully we'll be in a better spot in a month with tr- testing. But uh, I know our listeners like completely unsourced speculation. The Virginia, Virginia Tech games now December 12th. Notre Dame Wake is now December 12th. You have to figure the ACC is going to throw the title game on the 19th. They actually scheduled it or we could go on the 12th. We could go on the 19th. They now have four teams playing on the 12th. Big Ten's going to play on the 19th. Mountain West is headed there this week. The Mac may have enough on the 19th. So I just have a feeling the 19th, everybody's going to push back, and that's the last possible day. Right. So. And as we mentioned before, we will now have three weekends of college football, including full slates in some leagues for all three, but some two. Uh, at a time when presidents swore that guys had to study for finals. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Forget finals. I mean, uh, legitimately, I mean, I always roll my eyes at the academic stuff because I know how little it, it matters. But like how in the world? I still wake up occasionally with, with an occasional nightmare from finals in college. <laughs> like, did I, you know, did I do it? I mean, uh, uh, those are some stressful weeks. How the hell would you play a football game that week? A big football game. Well, you know, a lot of these are going to be like conference deciding sort of football games. Yeah, this is the the bed we've made. Although, you know, again, in some other sports, they actually take finals while on location at the NCAA championships. 
I can yeah. tell you about one in particular. But all right, well there you go. So <laughs> hey, somehow they'll figure it out. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, obviously they get a lot of a lot of help, but I'm glad it's not me. But uh, whatever. So we got 34 right now, uh, which is good. The SEC is here. Yep. Aloha, friends. We have missed you. <laughs> we need you. I saw an interesting deal with the TV ratings, which I've been wondering about. Um, TV ratings have not been great for the first three weeks. Uh, last week, there were only two games, the Miami-Louisville and the UCF-Georgia Tech game that they got three million or more viewers. Normally, I think you would have, you know, at least four or five of those. Notre Dame-Duke first week or second week, I don't know, whatever week that was, that's the only one to get over four million so far. That's a 2.4 rating. Normally by now we'd have well over a dozen games. And let's see, last year we had five games already who drew over 5 million. So you can see where the SEC and the Big Ten are the ratings games. We also lost all of those big non-conference games. Texas LSU would have got a big number. Ohio State or So uh, we have not gotten it, but I do look and say Georgia Tech, UCF at 3.30 getting over 3 million tells me there's a bunch of people dying to watch football at 3.30. Just give me give me something. So, yeah, we're starting to get there. I would expect a big bump in the ratings this week and then a bigger one once we hit October. And then by the end of October, it'll be back on. Yeah, I think I think this is temporary, but I think people are waking up. So I think the uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. So this is exciting. We're good. We're, we're making some uh, some general progress. Uh, now, uh, a lot of rumblings out west. The Pac-12, I, I'm still uncertain exactly what's going on with the Pac-12. They seem to be moving in this direction. Uh, the strangest thing to me, and, and I, I, I have not covered the Pac-12's returns. You guys, I'll, I'm going to throw it to both of you, was that it appears that until the Big Ten came back, the Pac-12 never really asked can we play? Can we get a waiver? The basic things. If that's the case, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, this is just like what? You know, like I think all the Pac-12 is doing, all they've done so far is they secured the, the testing, which is good. And the rest of the time, they just cut people. <laughs> they just like <laughs> laid staff off and kept their 73 uh, well-paid vice presidents. It's like a, <laughs> it's like and a gave themselves bonuses too. Bonuses, yeah. Well, they, they gave their bonuses bonus. early, so yeah. they would not. So then they could lay off the other people who got most of whom got no bonuses. Yeah. One yeah. of the one of really the most overt acts of brazen greed I've seen in all my years covering college sports. Larry Scott pocketing an extra two million while dumping dozens on the street. Yeah. Just literally just saying, like, I don't care about you. I am going to keep my champagne lifestyle. Go get in line for food stamps, file for unemployment. Like, you know, I made you move to the most expensive city in the world. I'm yeah. not paying you a lot of money because it wasn't like the they had nine executives making over four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. in one of the recent nine uh, nineties that came out, I think it was two, three years ago. So like nine people making over half a million dollars. I don't know, like the SEC off the top of my head, but Larry Scott makes more money than any Pac-12 football coach. And he makes twice as much as Greg Sankey. And I am only going to guess 
I would guess, Pat, you could disagree with me, that nobody else in the SEC makes over 450. Would you think that's right? From a oh, staffer standpoint? Yeah, so in the SEC office. Right. Probably not. Probably not. Probably now, not. also, I would say cost of living is literally double in Walnut Creek as opposed Correct. to, or downtown San Francisco as opposed to Birmingham. But uh, yes. maybe William King does. Maybe. How about, how about triple? Yeah. Maybe triple. Yeah. But this is part of the inefficiency. Yeah. No, it's incredible. So, you know, we choose to live in the most expensive city in the country or one of. Talent is at a pre paid a premium there. So, you know, we can mock all the do nothing vice presidents and maybe they all are. I don't know. Maybe. But there's a lot of really high paying jobs. So you kind of have to pay that high. Well, here's the thing. Why? Why set your operation up there then? And they moved it. They moved it into downtown from Walnut Creek, which was over on the other side of the bay, which was less expensive. Right. Or go to Portland. Go somewhere else. You you have other. You you could go to other places. San Jose. You could go to Arizona. You have the league is the league. What are you doing? Yeah, and you know, Larry Scott's like, "Well, I'm taking a, a the 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 base salary. Oh, here's the bonus that covers that." You know, I mean, I think his big thing's been like, he runs both the league and the television network, but <laughs> poorly. The the television network is horribly. <laughs> television network's horribly been the biggest run. bust of the whole thing. I don't think he does any work on the television network. They supposedly are in San Francisco because they're they're innovative and they connect with all these. Silicon Valley doesn't seem innovative at all. No. I mean, it just seems like a whole like scheme where it's like we sell this concept to the presidents of like, we're innovative. We're promoting all of the student athlete experience. This is a branding opportunity and we just take all the money and none of that really happens. Nobody cares about ratings. Nobody. And it's just here. Here's, here's your money. Yeah. And the presidents go along because they don't care. They got other problems right now. And there you are. So they have just, they are top heavy with stuff. I mean, you get paid a lot of money to show uh, old uh, Oregon State football games on your network that no one watches right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, presidential but- apathy, Dan, has has really spiraled to complicity. Like they had that, and John Wellner does a great job covering that league. He had that bonus story this year. I think at a certain point, and I have a column coming on Yahoo about this this week, you have to sit there and say, the presidents have been negligent. Larry Scott should have been fired five years ago. Like saying Larry Scott should be fired is like the, you know, it's like the oldest take in college athletics. It's just, it's just been so obvious and long overdue. But when you keep him around, he's made more than $40 million in his presidency in the Pac-12 over, over all that time. So when you keep somebody like that around and you let them use the conferences, their own personal ATM, of course he's going to run $70,000 a year employees on the street so he can jam $2 million more in his pockets. Like, Larry Scott has the Pac-12 coffers, like the couch cushions, and he's, like, shaking it out for the last pennies before he gets run. It, it's, it's disgusting. It's as ugly of a thing as I've seen all my years covering college sports, which should be noted is a place where overt <laughs> greed is a fairly common trait that we've That's- run across. It's the it's the most common trait there is, really. But <laughs> yes. no, I, here's the thing that is it was explained to me, you know, and there's been I mean, as Pete's saying there, this has been years and years of frustration from 80s coaches and people at that level who can't get the presidents to do anything. And it was basically it was the president at Oregon State who, for some reason, had a lot of sway, not only in the Pac-12, but in the NCAA, Ed Ray and the chancellor at USC. And they were kind of protecting. Oh, and also the guy at Arizona State as well, I think. And they were kind of they were the guys that that liked Larry Scott and everybody else. 
basically, to Pete's point, didn't care enough to, to do anything. And so they just kind of rolled along with a terrible TV deal that helped set them far behind. And uh, and then got to the point here of this year where, I mean, you want to talk about terrible leadership. As Dan, I think you wrote it. They were the they came out in early September and said, we've got this agreement for rapid daily testing. With this is a big breakthrough. And then they did nothing with it. They just sat there for three weeks and, and made no move towards trying to play. And then all of a sudden the Big Ten plays is like, oh, we can't be left behind, which has kind of been their mantra because they've been left behind the whole time, you know, for the last five years. And so now they're going to try to play. And they're probably going to play. And it's probably going to be an abbreviated season. And it's going to be too little too late. Uh, you know, I just look at it and go, why weren't they working – the questions I had all along where they're like, well, we can't we can't meet to practice. Well, why how come the, the Rams and the 49ers and, and the and the Chargers can? And and there was never an answer. And it's like because you can push Gavin Newsom obviously is a is a very powerful and and I don't want to get into all that, but he's he's controlling things there. They they will grant waivers. No one wants to hold up college football. No the, the NF, no one wants to hold up the NFL, so they let it go. It just seems like how could we not have these answers? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, so they finally asked Newsom and he goes, and maybe there's more to the story, but we haven't seen it. And it's like this should have been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. What exactly were you doing all these weeks if it wasn't working with local government to say, when can we start? What hurdle do we have to clear? And then saying, OK, let's clear the hurdle. Now they get the daily testing and it's like, yeah, we just sit there. Well, yeah. it's coming in late September, maybe October. And they trot out Larry Scott. And it's a big I, I remember I wrote people said I was being yeah. mean. I was like, Larry Scott for a win, a rare one. Well, but he didn't do yeah. anything with the win. Yeah. You know, it's like winning your big non-con game and then blowing it the next week against San Jose State. You know, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> so you celebrated too hard. I, the 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 amount of money Larry Scott has made off of this, because I think these presidents just aren't paying attention. This is just a this kind of behavior is part of college sports. It's also part of the Silicon Valley where venture capital oh, no doubt. rolls in unabated. And I mean, there is for every. <laughs> For every Google or Apple or not, I mean, uh, Amazon or Yahoo or any of these ones, that there are, you know, a whole bunch of busts that we've sure. crushed our tax or touched our, our investments. It's like, hey, I got 60 million in. Uh, Do you ever see the uh, that show? They had a show, Silicon Valley on HBO. Yeah. And at one point no. they created a startup and then they blew the entire uh, startup. Their first round of venture capital throwing a party at Alcatraz. <laughs> they rented Alcatraz to a party. Uh -oh. Pretty funny, but Perfect. it's like classic. Like, well, now we, need, we need another round of venture capital because we celebrated <laughs> the first round of venture. But and, and people just kept writing checks. Yeah, and so it's like I think they're just running that. The, the school presidents are the VCs, and Larry Scott's like, "Hey, I got this sweet office. I'm making a fortune here. Eh, does anyone really care if we win or not? The USC nah. does, but their their problems are self inflicted." Right. They ain't going to blame us. Yep. Oregon does, but it's hard to win at Oregon. The rest, the president of Cal, you know, they go, why aren't we in the college football playoff? <laughs> yeah, no. We're never in the college football playoff. No. Yeah. Larry Scott Cal. completely froze out all the ADs other than he's tight with Ray Anderson, Arizona State. But his strategy has just been like, I'm going to ignore, belittle and patronize the ADs because they don't matter and they really don't matter. So it's just been this dynamic of the ADs begging the presidents to do something. And then he's had a couple powerful protectors. And you're 100 percent right, uh, Pat and Dan. Nobody else cares. 
So if yeah. you have the couple engaged guys like, you know, John in Johnny Lockstep, next Ninus at USC is hilarious. I mean, that guy has had more scandals than the USC athletic department, which is a yeah. pretty high threshold. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yes. The high end of a high end. Yes. Yes. That's... And so Crow is now his power is diminished and Crow used to go on the president's calls and bully any presidents who'd question Larry. So, I mean, I really think that those presidents right now are waking up today and waking up this week and seeing these headlines. And they are like they are like the dude in Vegas going home at five in the morning, like having lost their 401k at the blackjack table. They're like, <laughs> man, we are. And, you know, they're looking in the mirror right now being like, we messed this up. We trusted this guy. He built us for every last dime. And the way I have read what Larry Scott did in hoarding the bonuses and not actually keeping the bonuses from all the executives and giving them to the rank and file to save their jobs. I think he basically is daring them to fire him. He either has been informed that he's on his way out, which is very possible considering again, another great John Wilner story. We got the ADs emailing each other about bringing in a consultant. Obviously Larry Scott was not in that conversation. So it seems like they're plotting to get rid of him. I asked around college sports a little bit this week to other like folks in that, in that air today, if this happened in your league, what would this mean? And it would be like, well, that would mean that we don't want this guy to be commissioner anymore. I said, okay, that's 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 what I that's what I thought. So I think Larry Scott knows he's on his way out, knows they're plotting against him, and is basically standing atop his ninety million dollar office building in San Francisco, giving the double bird to the president, saying, "Buy me out, throw me on the street, let me go sip champagne at my villa somewhere, and let me go." I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, it's honestly a book of like just how you can manipulate apathetic presidents. And I mean, if you think about that, he made $40 million. <laughs> In like a decade. I mean, it's not like yeah. he's been there 20 years. Yeah. Yes. And that's how they do it. He's because he's running two things, although he only really has one job. He's claiming yeah. he runs the, the network. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's more egregious in a lot of ways than even uh, Jim Delaney taking the $20 million <laughs> media consulting bonus. <laughs> On the, I mean, <laughs> which is terrible and egregious, but at least he earned it. I'm not I will say him. he worked right. and he was successful. Yes. 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 He, so he at least... made the Big Ten incredibly profitable. Yes. Right. But yes. still, it's just shameless. Like hey, no. amateur athletics, uh, 20 million on the side for me because I had the <laughs> fortune of negotiating with. I mean, I could negotiate. Maybe I wouldn't have negotiated the same amount as as as. That's Jim Delaney, but you give me Ohio State football, Penn State football, you know, Michigan sure. football. Uh, I get the whole Midwest footprint. I got a good basketball that does damn well. I, I can negotiate a pretty good deal here. I didn't like he, you know, it's like the Mac just secured some, you know, yeah, four no, billion. He had a lot to work contract. with. He had a lot yeah. to work with. All right, so let's get to the games. This is why the Pac-12, we still don't even know. The MAC, I think, is... Yeah. Uh, Pac-12, the, 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 they're gonna, they're voting Thursday. I think they vote to play. I really do expect that. The MAC? No, the Pac-12. Pac-12, I, I, I think so, too. Expect them to Mountain vote to West could be back. Yeah. But at this point, you're looking at, can you start by the 24th? Can you start by the... Now you're looking at Halloween. You may only have a six-game schedule. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're screwing over Oregon. Obviously, Mount West and Matt could follow. What, what, so give me all your predictions. Pat, give me all your predictions. They all back? UMass is back, by the way. <laughs> we ain't scared. We ain't scared. What town on the Connecticut border are they meeting UConn? For, UConn uh, is for, weeping. For UConn's, UConn's, UConn's got nothing. 
Yukon is standing on the border with his nose pressed against the window <laughs> saying, can we come in? Can we come in, please? <laughs> we'll take UMass is like Will Hunting. How about them apples, Yukon? <laughs> <laughs> we now have the right to we go 0-5. We got Army five. on the schedule. <laughs> right. You've got 40 guys in the portal. New England well, United we'll, has split. <laughs> it's split. All right, we'll get past the um, UMass because uh, it's not that important. But one great point by Ralph Russo, and I think this is UMass's role because they're an independent with no team scheduled. They are the Blake break the glass team. You just prepare, and then on as someone has <laughs> someone gets COVID and a game is postponed on Wednesday night. You dial up four one three. Say, can you can you be on our campus by Saturday morning? They aren't called the Minutemen for nothing. Yeah, the Minutemen. They are the booty call. They are called football's booty say, call. They are the booty. They're the they're the one a.m. booty call. Dan, one, Dan, and UMass, the two a.m. warriors, yep, lined yep. up, up side by side at last call, waiting That's for right. a wink. That's right. You up? Why? Just wondering. Uh, yeah, put one put one lamp in the in the old chapel on campus. If we're playing the SEC, two lamps. We're playing the big. T- Just always ready. Come on, this would be great. They could. Get your ass kicked this week. Come back. We'll see who you play next week. Don't know. Doesn't matter. We're getting like two million. These How guys are the desperate. Check? How big's the check? If it's four hundred grand or bigger, we're on the play. Oh, you'll get bidding. Could be like a. Could be like eBay. <laughs> Auburn just bid eight hundred grand. <laughs> well, Oklahoma's got eight fifty. Here we go. A graphic of the Minuteman like mascot <laughs> on on Tinder. Like winking, being like swipe left or swipe right or whatever way you swipe. Like that's like- hey, what's up, Texas? I see, Texas Tech's got a little uh, COVID break. Yeah. Doesn't look like you're getting a game this weekend. Hey, Pitt, I heard Virginia Tech dropped up the schedule. I love it. UMass goes straight floozy. UMass perfectly willing to go 0-6 for like $4 million. All of a sudden, the, the, the program is flush with cash. Yeah. If they do that, I will start illegally paying recruits for that. There we go. Okay. It's my pledge. If a really good linebacker from Detroit commits to UMass, this <laughs> yeah, cast well, tech no. to Amherst well, no. pipeline. Worldwide Wetzel. Uh, yeah. I have Remember no Remember the comment. AAU I mean- guy from Detroit <laughs> named Smoke, who UMass basketball actually hired? Did you know Smoke, Dan? I, I'm I'm aware of Smoke's work. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, just want to say that anytime there's an AAU guy named Smoke and he gets hired at UMass, it's a good it's a win. It's a win for podcast spot. Smoke from Detroit. Oh, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh I think that anyway. was just that was purely by merit. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> no about. No doubt about it. Anyway. <sighs> anyway. Uh, uh, all right. Who's play are we playing? What's going on? Give me let's okay. get off and UMass is great comedy, but let's yeah. games. Someone might actually be more interested in uh, actually USC play football. So yeah, may, maybe Boise and State. I, I think they will see. They'll see US. They'll see UMass. I mean USC and they'll see Boise State's my prediction. I think both those leagues are going to play. I would bet Pac-12 starts November seventh and plays six games and then plays a championship game and maybe they do a north-south division week. You know, of the playing each other at the end, like. Uh, like the Big Ten's doing. Mountain West, I think, is going to play. You know, whether they get in six or seven when they start, if they start Halloween or, or, or whatever, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and then the MAC, I think the MAC is very split. I, th- I think they're, most of them want to play, but I predict that some of them will not play, that some schools will play and some will not. 
This is my rundown. We're taping, obviously, Wednesday afternoon. So I'll just steal what John Wilner's tweeted since we started. He basically said the Pac-12 has votes. The issue now is do they stagger a start starting Halloween or go unified on November 7th? It basically, in a uh, very wry Wilner way, he's basically saying presidents, quote, want everything nice and neat and tidy, and they're clearly not here. So that like the the uncertainty of some starting, some not fairness preparation, that's all been lingering. Some schools are needing more time to play. The Mountain West is seeing that with Fresno. Fresno hasn't had very much preparation. Uh, USC and UCLA lag behind in that. So uh, Thursday night, Mountain West presidents meet. They are expected to potentially vote that night. They also have a meeting scheduled Friday in case they don't get there Thursday. But they have testing scheduled, so I feel good about the Mountain West pushing the button. I feel good about the Pac-12 pushing the button. I still don't know for what day. The MAC presidents meet Friday. They do not, as of now, according to all the people I talked to this morning, have a testing plan in place. So I think the MAC gets there by the end of the week, but testing's obviously really the most important thing as we've come to learn in all this. And uh, nobody quite knows a start date, but I've been told to expect a six-game season. So maybe November 7th, and they go for uh, they go for six. And the best news for our degenerate listeners is that there will be a heavy midweek presence yes. for the Mac. They, they, the Maction is definitely, I've heard they are, they're working to make it one yes. day Maction day. You know, whether that's Ooh. Wednesday, whether it's Tuesday, Thursday. Can I we have know. both? I just don't want one day. I want to spread yeah. it out. <laughs> Come agree. on. I need More my Maction. Buffalo BG. Let's go. <laughs> my selfish purpose is I want to see the Mac start the week after the Super Bowl. <laughs> or the week of the Super Yeah. I wanted spring football. I wanted yeah. the Mac. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I I get this. Not fair to the players. Not fair to the there's a lot. There are a lot of kids at the in the Mid-American Conference and go to the NFL. Uh I, I get it. But my personal, because that's really all I care about is me. This is America. I only care about me. Can't spell America without the the uh M and the E. I wanted that. I wanted that spring football out of the Mac, but it doesn't look like we're going to get it. Anyway, can you right, see the Wessel something. daughters in like early in mid February? Dad, why are we driving Kalamazoo again on a Wednesday yeah. night? <laughs> Dad, I don't want to go to Ypsilanti with you. <laughs> I've been getting mocked because they walk in the room and see I'm watching a game and they look and they don't really know a ton about this, but they do know that like that's not Alabama. Yeah. That's not like. Yeah. I think yeah. one of them said, Dad, this is a new low. What are you watching? And I'm like, eh. <laughs> like they're seeing yeah. you with the can of beer in your hand. Dad, we thought you stopped drinking. You I did for a they, while. They didn't yeah. see the UTEP Abilene yeah, Christian. Right. See, that would have been the low. That's on ESPN3. <laughs> but, I mean, they would have had a they would have had some right to say, are yes. you okay? It's like that's, a when they, that's when they come in and that's when you got like the drug paraphernalia on the table yeah. there. Yeah. Mom, I don't know what's going on down there, but you might mm-hmm. want to check on dad. I just, yeah. Yeah. Um, at least I didn't. Well, I guess I kind of gambled it anyway. <laughs> let's get to something that uh, I think is just clearly the most positive news for the purposes of this absurd podcast. And that is neon Dion Sanders oh, returning yeah. to college football with this quote. God called me to Jackson state. <laughs> As he steps out of a Cadillac with a full marching band escorting him into the basketball stadium and police sirens. And I say, God bless you, Neon Dion. We need you. 
Deion Sanders is the now the head coach at Jackson State, which is FCS, but will be covered here like it is in the SEC. <laughs> this is now a Jackson State football podcast because Absolutely. this will not be boring. Nope. Jackson State is an incredible place. I work on a Walter Payton's uh, autobiography a long time ago and uh, learned a lot about Jackson State. Great, proud place. Tremendous football history, obviously, before the South started taking African-American players. As I said, Walter Payton and Eddie Payton, uh, tons and tons of players down there. Uh, now they got uh, Sanders. Now, obviously, NFL great. Done a lot of media. Most recently, the high, high school, the offense coordinator, his son's high school team. Also, you know, maybe not the most detail-oriented guy, I would say. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Fair. <laughs> you know, these coaches are like, like nothing slips by Nick Saban. I remember, I remember seeing Nick Saban at an SEC championship game. They beat, I can't remember who they beat, maybe Florida or something. And he's standing on the, the stage waiting for CBS to kick the game back. And they're going to hoist the, the, the trophy. And everyone on the everybody's going crazy. There's confetti and everything's going crazy. And I see Nick Saban take out a little piece of paper. And he's jotting down notes. And I ask him later, he goes, I, I wanted to make sure I reminded the guys that the meeting tomorrow is at 6 p.m. and they got to be there. It, like that's how he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. That is not how Deion Sanders will think. <laughs> so this will be a different approach, I would say. But let's, I mean, if nothing else, he is a he's he's big on mentorship. He's a positive guy, and we're talking about Jackson State. They will sell some tickets. There's going to be a lot of excitement. You know, what the hell? It's a great school to go to. Might get some good players. It's it, These things normally don't work out in the <laughs> long run, but for the short, you know, I remember when Houston, I think, hired Clyde Drexler, Clyde Drexler. to be their basketball. Yeah, right. yeah. It would Isaiah show up Thomas like coached college. Yeah, uh, Isaiah yeah. Thomas. But here we are, and it's harder to coach football than basketball. Oh, yeah. Much harder. But here we are. So thoughts on uh, on Deion Sanders and his absolutely spectacular Deion-esque entrance to the uh, coaching world. Pat? It's you know, it's it's been the highlight of the season so far for me in September. I mean, it, I mean, it's just like first of all, wait a minute, this is really going to happen. And then yes, yes, it's really going to happen. Off after after Jackson State actually lied to Sports Illustrated and perhaps other outlets and denied that it was going to happen. It happened. And uh, then the entrance was just fabulously over the top. And they can put on a good show at Jackson State with the band, the Sonic Boom of the South. So you combine Dion with the Sonic Boom of the South and the SWAC has got some juice. His own personal jewelry collection could make a hell of a turnover chain. Uh, he, he could produce something epic, I think, there for them. Uh, the only thing that was disappointing to me is if you guys saw the the erroneous uh, report about what his staff was going to be yesterday. It was like Warren Sapp, Terrell Owens, all these NFL guys is like, oh, please let that be the staff. And then I want to be there when they have to take the NCAA rulebook exam. To, be, to, to go recruit because these guys are all coming straight from the pros, have never coached in college. They're going to be like, what? You got to be kidding me. We got to take a test on this. Uh, that would have been like violations, like a plenty within the first month. But hey, you know what? Here's the thing we have seen in basketball. Some of the uh, HBCUs have gotten some traction in recruiting with black players. There's a little bit of a renewed thought that, you know what? I, why can't, why shouldn't I go to a, a, an HBCU and play there? 
and that maybe Dion can have some of that same traction in recruiting in the state of Mississippi, which is just loaded with talent, and in other areas of the South. And you never know. I mean, I I, I agree. The details could the devil will be in the details for him. But if if he can get enough good players, this could be really interesting, really fun. I hope it works. I really hope it works. I hope it works for Jackson State, a proud institution, like Dan said, that uh, Lindsey Hunter went to Jackson State. Walter Payton obviously went. You know, it is a it is a play. There will be excitement. There will be interest. The first game is going to be on NFL Network or ESPN or something. You know, like there's there will be a reality show, right? Like, again, completely unsourced and uninformed, but very likely, right? Like, Dion ain't going to Jackson State and not bringing some cameras with him every day and not, you know, try to make some money for the program, I'd hope, off it. So, yeah, the world will get to know Jackson State. My question is this, like, Jackson State's staff salary pool is, you know, they probably don't have another coach on staff who's going to make six figures, right? So the level of detail it's going to take, assuming Dion is doing this from 30,000 feet, and now he'll be involved in the kids' lives and the players' lives, but he is not qualified to be a college head coach, meaning he has not done it before. Now, he certainly was a great player, and he certainly knows the game and understands game plans, and he's obviously worked as the high school offensive coordinator. Remember, Arkansas and Florida State both played footsies with him during uh, during the search process last year. The, the degree of footsies that they played can be, can be debated, certainly. But, like, Dion wants to make a play. And Dion's play is not going to be at, to be at Jackson State forever. God may have called him there, but I don't think God asked him to stick around for 15 years. So where we where he goes next and how he does it, like, will he invest and be able to handle the details of everything that goes into being a college coach? Hours of recruiting phone calls, understand the academic component, the campus component, the compliance component, that kind of thing. It was it was striking going back, reading through the disaster that was prime prep the the school that Dion lent his name to in Dallas and then he just really didn't care about the rules not not NCA rules not uh like the own the school's rules it was just sort of like let's figure it, the, it there was very much an attitude of let's figure this out and when journalists tried to hold him hold him accountable for some of the mistakes at the school there were lawsuits I mean it was a it was a disaster I can't stress enough it took me three hours to read all the investigative reporting about how that whole thing fell apart yesterday I mean it was just a treasure trove of mismanagement right from the State Board of Education even giving prime prep a uh, a charter to start a school so will Dion be able to handle accountability and will he be able to handle rules and does he have enough interest in really making Jackson State great to invest the time. I do not question his motive on helping kids. I do think he genuinely wants to be a coach. Now it'll be interesting to see if he can do the work. Pete, are you saying, I mean, you have a lot of sources, but are you saying, are you sourcing knowledge of the conversation between God and Dion and God saying you don't have to be there for 15 years? <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a wiretap. Um, no. <laughs> 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 the the Will Wade wiretap just moved to Jackson for Baton Rouge. <laughs> a source close to God. Said, <laughs> I have sources close to God. I'm going to spend my time being a college football writer. <laughs> All right. Well, look, it, we're going to have plenty of Deion Sanders coverage on this podcast because this is phenomenal. Coach Prime has struck, Dan, as we we're <laughs> taping the podcast. Really? Javorius Shellman is coming home. Mississippi State defensive back. He's from Provine, which I believe is in Jackson. Yep. Javorius Selman has transferred to Jackson State. 
There you Dropping go. on the old notes app this morning. Big announcement. I am coming home to play for Coach Prime. It's Did tremendous. he call him Coach Prime? Oh, yeah. In his in his notes uh, app announcement. Coach Prime. He literally called him Coach Prime in the announcement. Oh, yeah? Dion wow. said that I only go by Coach Prime now, I think, in, yeah. in, a, in a video. It's oh, pretty really? funny. He, he also hashtags all his tweets, Coach Prime. Yeah. Well, I know that. So, but, you know, like, is I, he like he's like Prince when he just had the symbol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hired on Monday, gets first recruit on Wednesday. How about that? SEC. Gets a Power 5 transfer. Yeah, SEC Bob. I, I'm telling you, they're going to come. Make what happens happen. when they... Dude, Deion Sanders... Have you ever talked to Deion Sanders? Like that guy. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, it's a you. You'll start nodding your head. <laughs> One of the all-time greats. It's like Ray Lewis he used to sit in the Baltimore Ravens locker room, listen to Ray Lewis, and you're sitting there just like, oh yeah, mesmerized by this thing. You're like, yeah, yeah that's right. This yeah, is you know. That's another guy. I would I would not be surprised going to coaching. Man, unbelievable. He he would be one of the greatest. If you could get him to be like your defensive coordinator, sort like co-defensive coordinator, where he's the recruiter yeah. and the top. Like, I mean, good not. We talk yeah. about Ed Reed at Miami, oh. but Ray Lewis can he can talk. Holy cow! Yeah. Uh, all right, we uh, congratulations, Coach Prime, and on Jackson State. We have a, a a story here though. This is uh actually from KXAN from Austin. Uh, and this is dubbed, there's a ticking time bomb. And Uh-oh. so I feel obligated. That's how it starts. There's a ticking time bomb. So I feel obligated to tell everyone because this is this is nerve wracking. When it comes to wild hogs. Now, oh, I have been way ahead on this. <laughs> we were way they, ahead. The billions in damage they cause. Mm. There are 9 million feral hogs in the U.S. And the number is ballooning. And the problem is uh, the... Atlantic has dubbed this a feral swine bomb. <laughs> Props to the Atlantic for the vivid actually, phraseology. Yeah, I think he, somebody called it that. Uh, this is Dale Nolte, who runs the, the manager of the National Feral Swine Damage Management Program. <laughs> we laugh, but it's billions of dollars. That guy had to be named Dale, though, right? <laughs> What's your qualification? My first name is Dale. Right. <laughs> He's been waiting be, his whole life for that phone call, by the way. Be you did better like the names. feral hogs and your feral hog moment comes. Dale isn't letting it down. Uh, yeah. Be the, better if the, it's really like Jim Dale or something, you know? Okay. Two, two scary things. And we've learned a lot about how math works with the virus this year and how quickly, right, compi- it's like compounding interest. Well, yeah. They went from a thousand to two thousand, and as as Nolte said, not a big deal, but their 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 numbers are swelling quickly. If you get a million, it doesn't take long to get to four or eight million. Apparently, these things reproduce like crazy. Mm. Feral hogs are just basically mating and ruining farms. That's all they do all day. <laughs> Worse, Nolte says domestic breeds and European wild boar have begun to crossbreed and become quote what we call. Superpigs.com. <laughs> Dude, this is what like the rodent guy. Remember the rat guy? Yes, yes, exactly. These, That's what I'm thinking these of. Just, they sit around waiting for the phone to ring from some random reporter to care about their world. And right. so they just throw the they are basically the neon Deion Sanders, the coach primes of of yeah. the animal world. They're just like, let me say the craziest thing yeah. I possibly can. Yep, they Super got Super Pig. 
I've got all my all my great phrases prepared here. Somebody just call me. Just call me. The battle rats. We had the battle rats. Now we yeah. have the super pigs. They're highly intelligent, have good senses of smell, and have physical attributes like heavy fur, which increase their ability to survive in the wild. Oh my goodness! This thing is terrifying. <laughs> We've got with the, the hybrids. You shoot from the helicopter, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, my we, thing. We got to mobilize an entire squadron of helicopters yeah. now. The Wetzel can, Armada, Wetzel Air Armada. You get up on the helicopter, you get a, a machine gun, some kind of assault rifle, and you sail over and you peg them. Yeah, I, I've I've said this on past podcasts. My cousin uh, uh, Richie. Uh, Wetzel is a he's an NYPD passed away a couple years ago. He wanted to do this and uh, we never did. I regret it because I loved my cousin. But um, he showed me this thing and uh, you 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 can get, they'll, they'll basically take any of us idiots up there because they, <laughs> they need to kill the I don't know how to hunt from an, a helicopter. You might be surprised to know I'm not a. Not I doubt a you can really hunt from the ground either, Dan. Let's I can't hunt anything, right? <laughs> Unless it's I, hunting a 30-pack of Bush Light in the liquor store. I don't really <laughs> give you a lot of credit for your hunting ability. Set I'm afraid I would fall out of the helicopter. Yeah, well, you get strapped in and you okay. shoot the gun. Okay. Uh, I, I did catch a mouse on a trap last year, so that was pretty exciting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that bad boy ain't showing his face around there anymore. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so the feral hogs grow big. 75 to 250 pounds on oh average. My. What? Oh, my. Average. Wow. I mean, the, Texas A&M is going to start recruiting these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can run 30 miles an hour. 30? 30. Texas A&M definitely needs you. You want a 250-pound animal that can run 30 miles an hour? That's your that's your special team's coverage unit right there. They can get up to 500, too. <laughs> 530 miles an hour is ridiculous. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's like an electric vehicle. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, these things are going to make like Bruce Feldman's freak list. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they have 30 viral and bacterial diseases, 40 oh, parasites, great. all great. transmittable to humans and pets. This thing is actually really scary. Yeah. And, uh, so if you want, uh, I, I think we have to rise up. I encourage anyone to, that wants to get lost for an hour watching people shoot feral hogs out of a helicopter it's all over youtube amazing videos uh you know if you're classier than i am then do something else like read a book but that's what passes for entertainment for me just and, watch like uh, an old south carolina tennessee game don't watch shooting feral hogs if we're so close to real football dan an well, hour an hour i don't think you really assault. watched it i challenge you at least i know the the the, the, the frightening thing here so uh, I don't know, but be careful of the feral hogs. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's it's tough. Uh, if a 500-pound hog running 30 miles an hour is coming at you, you're going to wish you studied up. Yeah. Hey. Just saying. Now, if that makes it to South Boston, we're really screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not <laughs> we, good. <laughs> we need uh, the state of Texas to hold the line here, you know? Get rid of these things before they become our problem. Stand up, Texas. Let's go. Yep. Uh, this, is, this is a problem, so... We need more helicopters, more volunteers, more everything. Ah, it seemed fun to me. It's better than like regular hunting where you, you got to go s sit in a tree for like six <laughs> hours in dead silence. Hope, hope a deer walks by. This is not my kind of hunting. <laughs> Our outdoors P uh, listeners, if we have any, are rolling their eyes right now. I, I know. Well, it's not that I'm against it. It's just I like yeah. a little more, you know, I want the yeah. copter. All right. Race for the case. 
Okay. Kurt's- I want our outdoors listeners to mock Dan on Twitter for his lack of hunting knowledge. If, if uh, oh, I'm like sure we've you got, got any. Like I you didn't got- claim to have any. <laughs> no. I don't I- either. I watch YouTube. I live in South Boston. <laughs> Did you catch the mouse? Did you catch the mouse? No. Snap, I can fish. Man. I can't hunt. It's nothing no. better than when you set a mouse trap and then you hear that thing snap. You're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Small victories in life. All right. Pete's nine and nine. Pat and uh, Sully are seven eleven. Open all night. Uh, I am a five and thirteen. I'm still digging out of the zero and six debacle of week uh, two. Pay for right. your on kids' college tuition with NAD. NAD is a new tap. He's thirteen and five. But, but NAD has a, a four game lead. Yeah. You would have lost last week, though. Would have lost yeah. last week. So look out. Does yeah. NAD drink like irrationally good beer? Because like Dan, Dan drinks such bad beer. Like what's, what is Dan's alternate personality? Does he only drink like some like, like golden Pilsner or like, like the, Chablis, like, Chablis. There we go. He's like an ascot. He's like yeah. classy. Yeah. Yeah. Much better person than me. <laughs> All right. Number five, Florida is at Ole Miss. God, it's great to just say that. Yeah. It is just great to say that. Noon on ESPN. We have got this from the Yahoo Stats Department presented by Sam Cooper, our great blogger. UF yeah. is 7-1 and one against the spread on the road again under Mullen. I think you could throw most of this stuff out. I don't know. what. Yeah. There's no crowd. It's like, it's like how many people show up? <laughs> like, like yeah, how many people on your much. roster show up? Is really the No key. offense to Sam. Yeah, Good stats, Sam does a great job. But yeah, that's, Florida's <laughs> giving 14 and a half. Oh, they got to throw the half in there. The hook. <sighs> All right, Pat, you can start. You got the oh, Gators or boy. the uh, Rebels, and let's try to be somewhat somewhat brief. We'll try seconds. to be brief, but, I mean, you want to talk about having no idea? Like, you know, <laughs> Kiffin hasn't even said who he's, he's going to start, John Reese Plumley, or if he's going to start Matt Corral. You know, we don't know what they're going to be running. We have, I mean, we are totally shooting in the dark here. On the basis of the hook alone, I will take Ole Miss. Oh, baby. Give me all the Gators. Are you kidding me? Like, this is like the ravaged Ole Miss probation roster you have here. My prediction, again, completely unsourced and uh, guesstimating, I might add, is that Lane Kiffin does not start John Reese Plumley. He starts Matt Corral. And that is based basically what the Ole Miss offense will end up looking like under Jeff Levy. Randy Clements, Joe John Finley, those are like straight Baylor dudes. And Baylor dudes want four verts, and they want guys who can throw the ball down the field. Matt Corral has a big golden arm out of Southern California. He is a he is a specimen who can huck the deep ball. So don't be surprised if early on this year, they don't want a little guy who can like scatter around like John Reese Plumley. They want a dude who can get back and huck it. So Matt Corral, the 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 buzz out of Ole Miss is that some of his sort of off field distractions have been uh, have been limited, and that he's uh, he's locked in, and they're uh, they're they're singing the praises that he's a new guy. So all that said, I really think if you uh, Todd Grantham's defense, Florida returns a lot of dudes, best tight end in the country, really good quarterback, um, O line's just okay. But yeah, I think Florida easily wins by uh, by twenty one points. Sorry, Sully. I talked about football. Dan's like losing interest. I'm, I'm getting my lock of the week down. Sully, what do you got? Yeah, I'm with Pete. Kyle Trask and uh, that UF offense is going to pace him to an SEC East title this year, and Ole Miss is not going to be able to keep pace. Gators big. I'm taking the Gator. I don't know how you pick Ole Miss on this. I just you got no idea. Uh, I will say this though, Mississippi. Let's 
take a moment because we, we we thought that the hiring of um, of Mike Leach would make Mississippi interesting as a college <laughs> football place. Yeah. Then we thought Lane Kiffin was coming. Well, this is really interesting in Mississippi. And at Jackson State said, hold my beer. We got Coach Prime. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's phenomenal. And there's a 30-year-old coach in Southern Miss. Yeah. yeah. Mississippi a is the most 10. interesting state in college football right now. Phenomenal. Good good on you, Mississippi. What are you doing, Alcorn State? Step it up. Let's get some. Uh, no, I mean, it's fascinating. Like, the, which <laughs> there's no more exciting coaching state than this. But I'm taking None. the uh, I'm taking the Gators. Uh, I just I don't know how you could pick Ole Miss right now. I just I mean, 14 and a half, 21 and a half. I, I, did, I got no idea. All right. Next. Number 23, Kentucky is our ranked matchup. Number 23, Kentucky at number eight, Auburn, noon on the SEC network. Auburn is giving seven and a half. Pete, you can go first. I uh, I am going to take Kentucky. We've uh, we've been very bullish on the Wildcats this whole time. I've been told my, my spies in Lexington have told me they feel as good about this Kentucky defense as the one two years ago where obviously Kentucky had their, uh, you know, their, 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 their best season in school history, arguably a best season of our lifetime anyway, um, in, in Kentucky, uh, in Kentucky football. Yeah. I really think that offenses for again, offensive has scored. Don't get me wrong. I think this is going to be, this game is going to be a slog. I, I, I really don't have any faith in Auburn's defensive line, especially. They obviously just graduated a couple mountains of dudes who were who were overly dominant. They don't have that that type of personnel to replace them. So I think this is the kind of game that Auburn guts out and wins like 13-10. Think of the tenor of the game, maybe like that Oregon game when they opened the season last year. I hope to see Bo Nix have improved, but the inconsistent See, we saw last year as a sample size. I think he really struggles against this Kentucky defense. And I think Brad White, Kentucky's defensive coordinator, came from the NFL, is going to show him a lot of different looks and really be able to confuse him and grind this game down. The under would be also a pretty attractive bet here for, for those listeners who don't want to buy Apple stock and want to dabble in multiple venues. Uh, I'm taking Kentucky as well. My only concern there is that Kentucky has not been good in season openers under Mark Stoops. They tend to win against bad competition, but play poorly. Uh, but I'm going to, I I agree. They've got a good team on their hands and I don't necessarily love this Auburn team. Uh, you're getting more than a touchdown. I am, I am taking the Wildcats confidently to at least cover. Sully, I would make this the lock of the week uh, if we're not already picking it. I, I really, I, like Pete said, we've been bullish on the Cats. Uh, under Mark Stoops, the Cats are nine and two against the spread versus rake opponents, and they're gonna they're gonna do it again and make it ten and two at the same time. Auburn under Gus, eighteen and eighteen against the spread as a home favorite in the SEC. I too all off season, I think Kentucky's really good this year um, for their standards, and I think they beat Auburn. So I'll take Kentucky too. A little boring there, but this is where we're at. Number twenty two Army at number fourteen Cincinnati, three thirty on ESPN. Cincinnati is. Uh, giving 14 points. Sully, you want to go first on this? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, if it was it was 14 and a half earlier in the week, if it was still that at half point, I'd go Army. But since it's the flat 14 and we can get a push, give me the Bearcats. I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Bearcats. They're going to be without Alec Pierce there, uh, th- who's their leading wide receiver. But 
I really think with Desmond Ritter and a defense that is accustomed to playing against the option, and they've been very good under Luke Fickle against Navy, especially in recent seasons. Again, Navy and Army aren't the same, but there's some principles that carry over. I really feel like this Cincinnati team is the best group of five team, despite UCF showing out like they did the other day. I think that's just an over... I think people are overvaluing Georgia Tech because they had happened to beat Florida State in Tallahassee in the opener. A lot of people watched them. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati, uh, I think Cincinnati rolls here and uh, wins by 21. I'm going to take Cincinnati as well with a little bit of caveat here. Just like if Army gets a seven nothing lead and the game just becomes short because Army is holding the ball forever, there's not going to be that many possessions, that many opportunities. And the Army defense is pretty good. They're not, they're not just going to give up, you know, 30, 40, 50-yard plays all over the place here. Uh, Cincinnati has remade their receiving course, so losing Alec Pierce, they, they will see if the new guys can step in and, and make some plays on the outside for them. Uh, but I'm liking the Bearcats. I will be at that game. Uh, looking forward to seeing Cincinnati. Love Nippert Stadium. It won't be the same without a full house, but uh, I'm going to be there, and I will take the Bearcats to win and cover. I will be texting intrepid uh, Cincinnati SID Ryan Coslin, who's a listener to the pod, to see how Pat overreacts and throws a temper tantrum at the press box when Army backdoor covers in the last minute. <laughs> Not that Pat would ever make vocal his own picks while he's neutrally covering a game. Never. <laughs> All right, so this is extremely boring, but I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Also, uh, we're not we're not shifting around. Not a lot of not a lot of movement here, but I think Cincinnati's really good. Mississippi State at number six, LSU, three thirty, CBS. Here we go, go Tigers. We need to do a whole podcast uh, breaking down Coach O's performance on sixty minutes. By the way, <laughs> I mean that's some inspired TV when sixty minutes. And coach, like the odds at one point, if you had if you had met Coach O when he was like. 15 years old and said, that guy's going to be on 60 minutes one day in a positive story. <laughs> yeah, right. You probably could have told everyone, you could have sold some long odds. One day, 60 minutes is going to be a fawning profile of that guy. Orgeron was the D-line coach at Syracuse when I was in college. After he got uh, unceremoniously removed from his job at Miami, he did kind of his like, you know, penance in Siberia up in central New York for Paul Pascaloni's teams. And yeah, if you had told me as a junior in college that Ed Orgeron would be the national championship winning head coach, feel good story on 60 Minutes, I don't think myself and anyone else in the Daily Orange sports staff would have believed you. Could have seen it coming. All right. Well, here we are. All right. Uh, Mississippi State at number six, LSU, 330. LSU is giving 16 and a half points. Yeah, boy, they're tempting you to take LSU, giving you the hook there because they, they're thinking 17. But I'm taking Mississippi State. And I know, like, you want to talk about a shot in the dark? This game is a shot in the dark. Mike Leach comes in, totally revamps the style of offense. We have no idea how well the, uh, the players are actually fitting into it, but he did bring in transfer quarterback K.J. Costello uh, from Stanford, who is a big-time talent and can run a passing offense. LSU lost everything from last year. Joe Brady is gone. Dave Aranda is gone. Joe Burrow is gone. A bunch of other starters are gone. Jamar Chase opted out. Uh, there is as much uncertainty at LSU as there is at Mississippi State. So I'm going to say the Bulldogs cover the number at least. Boy, you're right on that, Pat. I think that both of these teams really could have used the Eastern Kentucky game last week. Uh, but yeah. then, And I am buying the Pirate ship and KJ Costello, but not in game one. Betting on the talent. Give me LSU. All right, I'm going LSU too, and I'm telling you why. Two words. Eric Gilbert. 
Have you heard of this guy? He's a freak. freshman tight oh, end. Yeah. Gatorade National Player of the Year. The first tight end to ever be named the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Recruit out of Georgia. Now, the I am bought I somehow I, I got on this guy and I've I've been following him. And then the hype from the preseason camp is insane. The all the LSU players are like this guy could he's a beast, freak of nature. Nobody on the team can tackle him. He could be the greatest tight end in the history of college football. Like, literally, these are the players. I'm counting on him getting three touchdowns. He averaged 17. <laughs> he averaged 17 a catch last year in high school. Six five. He is wrong and then some. In his first college game? Yes. I'm going all (laughs) in. I don't care. He is like the 500-pound hog that can run 30 (laughs) miles an hour. Sorry to – I'm sorry, Eric, to to compare you to a a hog, but you know know what I mean. He is Gronk. I'm going with it. He's going to dominate this game. So there you go. I'm taking LSU, besides other reasons. But, Pete? uh, I'm taking Mississippi State, and – I have a feeling they can be competitive in this game. I'm not going to predict they win. This is what I'm going to think is most interesting. They debut a 3-3-5 defense under Zach Arnett, who comes from that Rocky Longtree, San Diego State. Coaches aren't used to the 3-3-5. If you had the misfortune to watch Syracuse, North Carolina in opening weekend, as I did, you saw a very good North Carolina offense with a very good quarterback and all their skill back completely flummoxed for the first half of that game against the 3-3-5. Syracuse obviously has Tony White, who's from the same tree. So I think the debut of the 3-3-5 messes up LSU for a quarter. And again, Steve Emsinger, one of the great feel-good stories in in college football last year with what he and Joe Brady did with Joe Burrow. Um, I don't think Emsinger and Scott Linehan, who obviously comes from the Cowboys as the pass game coordinator, I don't think they've seen a whole ton of 3-3-5. So all, all that said, like, I think that is enough to stymie and slow LSU. I just, oh, they've just lost so much. It's hard to, like, think of LSU last year because of just the mass defections, opt-outs, obviously guys who went to the NFL. And, and really, uh, and really, I don't know, if Miles Brennan was that good, he would have he would have flashed by now. And so... I really think this offense enters a new version of the old identity crisis until I'm proven otherwise. And not having your top skill guys, that kind of defense, and Leach is going to figure out a way to score some points, right? He's going to figure out a way to score some points. So that's what that's what Mike does. So I really, uh, I really think that Mississippi State can kind of make this a fun little three thirty window. It'll certainly be more enjoyable than watching like Notre Dame trounce uh, South Florida or. Uh, yeah, or anything the ACC is really giving us in that window. All right, number 16, Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee's given three. It's 7.30 on the SEC Network. Nice double dip on the some good games on SEC Network. Sully, we'll start with you. Who are you picking? I'm clearly not a quarterback whisperer after last week when I basically declared Grant Wells as the next Chad Pennington. Uh, <laughs> but Garantano's entering his first season uh, with the same offensive coordinator in his first time in his career. And in a year where continuity has really been key, give me the Vols over a team that's replacing both their offensive coordinator and quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vols here. Uh, tempted to take South Carolina, but... They're bringing in the quarterback from Colorado State who wasn't that good, and he beat out Halinski for the starting quarterback job. Mike Bobo they, was the head coach at Colorado State. is now the offensive coordinator there. Uh, that doesn't sound great to me. I think Tennessee has more talent. Uh, it's time for them to put it together at least a little bit, so I'm going to take the Vols there. What is uh, 
Cade Mays' status right now, Sully? Uh, it's not looking really pretty, um, considering Greg Sankey just came out today and said that the old rule of interconference transferring should hold. So, but they still got you know three other five stars on that line, so it's still still got a lot of talent. My my one thought on this game would be I don't know what the over under is, but there will not be a lot of points scored in this game. Will Muschamp has been like borderline criminal in his run of offensive coordinator hires, and I don't see that turning in his last uh, in what could in what under normal financial circumstances would have been his last stand at uh, at South Carolina. It'd be interesting. Holinsky certainly gave them a couple a uh, couple shots in the arm of life uh, at times last season. He did struggle with consistency. So Mike Bobo is going with familiarity. Yeah, I don't have a ton of conviction in this game, but, you know, when in doubt, bet against Will Muschamp. High level coaching chess match here. Uh, <laughs> taking the falls. I'm taking the falls. Do uh, your civic gotta, duty, Dan. Take the do balls. Do your civic duty, man. All right. Don't lock be of like the those week. contact tracers, keeping them out of the game. Lock of the week, Pete. You can start. No, I'm not ready. Sorry. Okay. Pat, I'll, you can I'll start. start. I'm ready. Uh, I'm going to take Tulane, giving three and a half to Southern Miss. Uh, Tulane just absolutely gagged away a 24 point lead against Navy which is not a great sign, but I think they're going to be really mad, disappointed in themselves, much more focused and ready. And Southern Miss, we know, is not very good. Uh, they gave away a 17-point lead last week to an undermanned Louisiana Tech team. Uh, they lost in their opener to South Alabama and got their coach fired. As much as we love the 30-year-old head coach, Willie Fritz has got the edge in this one. Give me Tulane to cover three and a half. It's the number I've got, I'm looking at here. Sully, you got your lock of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm taking the under in West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Pokes offense looked sluggish last week. West Virginia's defense brings back a lot of guys. And the Mountaineer offense put up some points, but it was against Eastern Kentucky. So uh, give me the under at 52. I'm going to take South Florida, fresh off its trip to the woodshed in South Bend, getting three and a half at FAU. I think a lot of the optimism around FAU this season was based on the quarterback who's no longer with the team, Chris Robeson. Uh, FAU is coming off a COVID outbreak, as we uh, as we remember, their game was canceled. Uh, their game was canceled last week, so I really feel like South Florida has. As we know of right now on Wednesday afternoon, a, a a healthy cohort and their roster is not great. But I really do feel like if it's a depleted FAU team that's favored based on players that aren't there anymore, that South Florida can find a way to uh, win and cover. That line will move. My God, don't bet on that game until like 70 seconds before kickoff. As all games, by the way, but especially that one. All right. I thought about taking Georgia Tech at Syracuse, because I think Syracuse is pretty bad and can't score. Uh, but instead, I'm going to take Alabama giving 27 at Missouri. Uh, I think the Crimson Tide will be in full form. Missouri is missing players, has had all sorts of issues with uh, with COVID. Uh, Alabama was is already would have way more talent. It's not really a road game. All of that. I think the Tide comes out and and swamps them. So I'll take the Tide giving, even though they're giving up. 27. Um, yeah. I think that's the best pick of the week. I don't even think that yeah. game's. Think about Nick Saban and openers. Yeah. Right? Think about yeah. just how he's destroyed all those teams. I I am jealous that I did not see that, yeah. Dan. I think I, that I is see, like a ironclad hammer lock of the week. 42-7 or something like that, if not. Yeah. yeah better. And, yeah. and they'll put in gar their garbage time, guys. are are yeah. The one thing about Alabama, their second and thirds are – are ridiculous. So you just not, and then they they know they're only getting a few 
shots. So, and the level of competition in that program. So, anyway, take a and bam on that. Cup a contenders, which means their roster has less volatility. Vo- no volatility. It's they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about that. Roll Tide. It's good to say it. All right, big weekend. We'll be back Monday with the overreaction Monday. We'll go crazy on all this stuff. Hope all 34 games get played. That's our hope. And uh, we will talk to you all on Monday.